a reading from the book of Sirach. God sets a father in honor over his children, a mother's authority he confirms over her sons. Whoever honors his father atones for sins and preserves himself from them. When he prays, he is heard. He stores up riches who reveres his mother. Whoever honors his father is gladdened by children, and when he prays, is heard. Whoever reveres his father will live a long life. He who obeys his father brings comfort to his mother. My son, take care of your father when he is old. Grieve him not as long as he lives. Even if his mind fail, be considerate of him. Revile him not all the days of his life. Kindness to a father will not be forgotten. Firmly planted against the debt of your sins, a house raised in justice to you. The word of the Lord. all the days of your life. 
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, <clears throat> as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also do. And over all these put on love, that is, the bond of perfection, and let the peace of Christ control your hearts, the peace into which you were also called in one body. And be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as in all wisdom you teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands, as is proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and avoid any bitterness toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children as they may not become discouraged. The word of the Lord. according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, 
the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to, the, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please remain standing for a blessing from the bishop.
Merry Christmas. It's still the Christmas season, Merry Christmas. And I wish you all a most joyful celebration of the Feast of the Holy Family. And also, if anyone's visiting the cathedral today, thank you for coming to join us. I give you a warm welcome. Thank you for coming to participate in this Holy Mass. So on this Feast of the Holy Family, to all of you who are called to the vocation of marriage, thank you, thank you, thank you. This feast helps to underscore how crucial and important and beautiful this vocation is. Thank you. If we think about it, this vocation to marriage really stands at the foundation of the life of the church and the life of our greater society. Our society is only as strong as our marriages and families are. And similarly, the church is only as strong as our marriages and families are. In God's plan, marriage and family is the fundamental community. Thank you. Yet it seems today that there's a lot of confusion about what marriage and family really is. And in that light, should it be so surprising that we have so many problems? And so let's think about it. If someone were to ask you, you know, what, what marriage is, how would you describe it? Someone were to ask you what marriage is, you know, what, what answer would you give? It seems that one of the prevailing answers that our society gives to this question is that marriage is a committed relationship for the emotional fulfillment of the parties. Isn't that kind of the way people look at marriage today in our society? But if that's all marriage is, if marriage is only for the emotional fulfillment of the parties, well, what happens when you don't feel fulfilled? Or if marriage is only for the emotional fulfillment of the parties, well, why not a marriage between two men or two women? Marriage is a lot more than that, and you know it. 
So what, what really is marriage? How would we describe it? Why is it so important? I think we can get to the essence of what marriage really is and, and what it's all about in the promises that a man and a woman make to each other on their wedding day. So what do they promise each other? I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. In this promise, A man and woman give themselves to each other for a permanent partnership. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. In this promise, a man and woman pledge for each other a love that is unconditional in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. And isn't that really how we want to be loved? Don't we want to be loved in a way that we know someone is always going to be there for us? They promise a love that is faithful. I promise to be true to you. And when we think of the meaning of this promise, isn't this what the love of God is? God's love for us is permanent. God's love for us is unconditional. God's love for us is ever faithful and true. And so when we look at what the essence of marriage is all about, it's this manifestation of God's love in the world. It's meant to be a sign that points beyond itself, you know, not only to the spouses themselves and the children that they have, but it points beyond it to God himself. And if we look at, you know, the life of God from all eternity, you have the Father who gives himself to the Son and the Son who gives himself in love back to the Father. And we know that this love that proceeds from the two of them is the Holy Spirit. We say in the Creed, the, believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so marriage is an analogy of this, of the gift, this mutual gift of the divine persons from which the Holy Spirit proceeds, 
and also in the case of marriage, from which children proceed. And so marriage is also, we might say, this permanent mutual gift of persons, of a man and a woman, that is also fruitful and open to life. And so marriage has this twofold purpose for having and raising children, and also for the good of the spouses themselves. And it's a good that goes far beyond emotional fulfillment. It also entails helping each other grow in holiness, grow in virtue. and helping them to be with the grace of God, the person God wants them to be. And when we reflect on this, we see how, how important marriage is and why it is such a foundation of our life, of our church, of our society. So, for those of you who are called to this vocation, thank you. Now, we know that in the course of any vocation, we are not perfect human beings. And we, we don't always live up to this call, and this is where God's mercy comes in. And marriage is a sacrament by which the husband and wife also receive the grace of God to help them live out this promise because, <coughs> let's face it, we can't do it by ourselves. We need, we need God's help. Now, it's also true, I think, in any vocation where we reach some points where we feel like throwing in the towel. And if that has never happened to you, you are altogether unique. Because sometimes, you know, we reach a point in whatever God calls us to do where we think, oh, no, not, I've had enough of this. And when that happens, it's time for us to seek the help of God, to seek the help of other people, and don't hesitate to see a counselor if you need that kind of help too. Because we can't just do this on our own. We need the grace of God and the help of one another for all of us to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And if your spouse has betrayed you or abandoned you, 
you know in a very deep way what Jesus Christ felt like when the disciples fell asleep on him in the Garden of Gethsemane and when they ran away at his crucifixion. And if that has happened to you, know that the Lord Jesus wants to draw you very deep into his own heart and to be with you and to be close to you. And I'd also like to say something to those of you who are called to be married but are not married yet. The choice of whom to marry is one of the most important decisions you will make in your life. Probably second only to your decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to give some helpful hints to those of you who are called to be married who are not married yet. And here are some questions to think about and to ask when you're dating someone to help you discern whether this person is the right person or not. Some very important questions. How does your boyfriend or girlfriend handle money? And how did their family handle money? Is your boyfriend or girlfriend generous? Can you give examples of that generosity? Have you seen your boyfriend or girlfriend interact with children? And if so, does he or she show the qualities of being a good father or a good mother? Does your boyfriend or girlfriend treat you with respect? Is your boyfriend or girlfriend responsible? Why or why not? Is your boyfriend or your girlfriend honest? Why or why not? How did the family of your boyfriend or girlfriend handle disagreements, arguments, problems? Can you talk openly with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Does your boyfriend or girlfriend share his or her feelings? Is your boyfriend or girlfriend faithful? Can he or she say no to intimate relations? Do you enjoy the company of your boyfriend or girlfriend? What do you share in common? Does your boyfriend or girlfriend bring out the best in you, help you to be the best person you can be? Is your boyfriend or girlfriend controlling, selfish, or self-centered? 
Does your boyfriend or girlfriend sacrifice for you and for others? What about your boyfriend or girlfriend irritates you? Can you live with this for the rest of your life? It's a myth that after marriage things will change. Doesn't happen. Can you work out disagreements constructively? Give examples. Is your boyfriend or girlfriend jealous? Does your boyfriend or girlfriend use alcohol? And if so, does he or she do so moderately? Does your boyfriend or girlfriend use drugs? These are just a few important questions. And I think you get the idea. It's an important vocation, a beautiful vocation. And the decision of whom to marry is one of the most important decisions you make in your life. My dear friends, on this feast of the Holy Family, let us look to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Let us strive to follow their example. Let us ask their help that marriages and families may be strengthened and the church and the world be renewed.